Hello, world. Welcome to this week's episode of Golf Subpar. I'm Colt Nost, as always, joined by the one, the only, the sleazy man, Drew Stoltz. How are we doing, Drew? Uh, strong to quite strong. Good to be back in the studio with you, Colty. Yeah, and golf is back, more importantly. Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial is getting underway, a place that's very near and dear to both of our hearts, Colonial Country Club. You've, you've done okay around there. I just have a little bit of course history there being that I grew up, didn't grow up. That's not right. I went Still to college haven't. right there in Fort Worth, lived about an eight iron from the number 12 green. Love that place. One of my favorite tournaments of the year to watch Uh great place for the PJ tour to make a little comeback. Yeah. And the field is absolutely star studded. We'll get into that a little bit later, but first we got to get into a little funny money and you have a wonderful story from colonial. Country I got Club. a good, I got a good little story there. So like I said, went to school at TCU grew up right or went to school right there, right by Fort Worth. Had a friend of mine, we used to go out there and practice in the in the evenings, late evenings, right? So I'd go out there, we were hitting some balls one day, my buddy grabs me, he's like, hey man, you wanna just go cruise the back nine real quick? I was like, yep, absolutely. Hop in a cart, we're gonna go cruise the back nine real quick, right before it gets dark. Hop in, play 10, we're going to number 11, which as you know, dead straight, par five, long hole, we couldn't reach it. We both tee off, hit it, we both lay up to roughly the same spot, right? I hit my shot onto the green, my buddy's sitting there, standing in the middle of the fairway, out of nowhere from the 12th tee, a ball comes flying, flying right by his head, dude. I mean, this thing was couldn't be more than a yard from, from putting this kid down, right? Comes whizzing by. We both like pull back like, oh my God, what the hell was that? My buddy is pissed. He's like, who the hell was that? There was no four. There was no nothing. Who is this? Like he was ready to throw down. He was a sissy. He wasn't going to do anything, but he was acting like he was going to do something. So all of a sudden, all right, he regroups, gets back over the ball, hits a shot onto the green. All of a sudden, we see a cart coming over the hill there, right, on number 12, coming down to us. And I'm looking at the cart. I was like, oh, this dude's about to get an earful from my boy right now. Car gets a little closer, a little closer. I was like, oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty big dude there in the driver's seat. I'll be interested to see what my guy does here with this. Closer, closer, pulls up. Guy gets out of the cart. Toby Keith. And my buddy <laughs> looks man. at him. He's like, hey, hey, guys, so sorry about that, man. I'm really bad off the tee. You know, apologize. That come close to you. My buddy was like, oh, dude, we didn't even notice it. We didn't, it's not even a problem. Actually, it's over there right there. I gave you a nice little lie. It's all teed up. Gives a little small talk. Hey, all right, guys. Appreciate it, man. Uh, good luck to y'all going forward. See you guys later. We drive off, and I was like, "You're the biggest. You're the biggest sissy in the history of what happened." To all that tough talk when you don't when, mess. Uh, you don't mess with the gone. country boys from Oklahoma. He is a he's a big, big man, big dude. And he would put a whip into you. Loves so. golf, but yeah, that's a good. Well, little story. I'm glad you didn't die going around Colonial Country Club. That'd have been really tragic. But speaking of another big man, we had him in studio this past week. Mr. Jeremy Roenick joined us, and he is an absolute beauty. He is unfiltered, does not care, a really, really fun dude to interview. We got in a great interview with him. Start off we just start off with a little small talk, a little golf talk, get into that. And as the interview progresses, this thing gets better and better. He was an absolute blast to talk to. Yeah, he is an absolutely unbelievable character. One of my favorite dudes we've ever interviewed, and I can't wait for y'all to hear it. All right, before we get to our interview with Jeremy Roenick, I want to talk to you guys about a little company called Roman. Anyone who's dealt with erectile dysfunction knows how awkward it can be to talk about in person. Trust me, I've had some very awkward conversations with our producer, Mark. And luckily, there's a simple, convenient solution to get the treatment you need without ever leaving the couch. Our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need right from home. Just grab your phone, computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician in, within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that the treatment is right for you, your medication will be shipped right to your front door with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. 
So if you're struggling with ED, stay home and go get Roman. Go to roman.com slash subpar for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash subpar for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Get rid of that pesky ED right now. Here's Jeremy Roenick on Golf Subpar. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy Roenick is in the house. Nine-time NHL All-Star, one of the greatest American hockey players of all time, and not to mention pretty nice golf game as well. JR, how are we doing? Uh, great. Listen to you guys' podcast. You guys are killing it right now. Love it. Um, have a lot of time to myself, so it's been a lot of golf. I think a lot of us have had a lot of time to yes, ourselves, right? Have. I'm good. It's glad to be with you guys. Glad to have you here. We're going to get into a ton of stuff with you right uh, tonight, but first things, how is the game? You're playing a lot. Uh, the How's game the game? What actually, are we looking like? The game is actually pretty good. It was, we were chatting outside with some of the young bucks, but uh, you know, I've been trying to get back into shape a little bit after uh, the first month of drinking my ass off and eating during <laughs> the stay at, lockdown and stay at home and all that stuff, and kind of got a little disgusted with myself. So I'm trying to slim down. I hit the ball a lot better. You look skinny. I, I, I'm feeling skinny. I yeah, you. I've lost about nine pounds over the last two weeks. I but found it. <laughs> you found Cold, it. Yeah, I found it. I got it. By the way, give it back to me right now because I will. My, my game is slipping a little bit. It's 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 strong. My driving my driving game is really good. I can't make a putt to save my life right now. That's you know I'm hitting a lot of greens. It's putting, so I'm I'm literally shooting 74, 73, 75 with a one birdie round. I just can't seem to make birdies right now. But I'm striking the ball really good. Got some good tournaments coming up this summer. So, you know it's it's what I do now. I don't have a job. I love it. what what tournaments you got this summer. Where are you playing? So I'm playing in, um, I'm actually playing in one of the Arizona senior events this yes. year. Oh, yeah. I'm 50 years old now. I can play. You are 50. Yeah, by can, the way, you yeah, look it. I can play in a senior event now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do that. Um, I'm playing in a PGA sanctioned tournament uh, out in Pittsburgh. It's the Frank Fuhrer Invitational, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. The Pittsburgh Field Club, which is a bitch of a course to play. And, um, you know, a couple others that I'm trying to get into. And by the way, I have a couple member guests, by the way, that are more fun than going to Lake Tahoe. So I'm going to be looking forward to playing That's a couple of those. That's the tour to be on is the member guest. I'm out of golf, been out for mm -hmm. a long time. Ugh. Colt's recently out. He's about to hit the, the peak of his career. The member guest circuit, if you get the right ones, so good. they're the best tournaments in the world. This one that I'm going to is in Michigan. It's Indian, Indian Wood Golf Course. It's a four-day. First day wow. is, first day is, um, is best ball. Second day is alternate shot. Third day is scramble, and fourth day is both balls count. Ooh, touch them all. Touch them all, and I it is a that. drink, eat, uh, yeah, that's gamble it. fest. I, I think the Calcutta gets up to be like about a hundred grand. And stuff. Oh, it's great. that's, that's what I've been telling you, dude. Four this day, is, you're four day member guest. You better get your liver ready. <sighs> yeah, not to mention, not to mention, you have you have a you have a skins game on Wednesday to get yeah. for practice round. You know, if you if you get in there on Tuesday, you want to go see the course and play the course. You're playing six days of hard boozing, hard you know, playing, gambling, everything. It's Monday. Monday, I check into AA for a week. And I'm exactly dead. right. Yeah, all you PGA Tour players that think it's tough to play like three, four weeks in a row. Yeah, go play a member guest for four Ugh. or five. Get on that days. member guest circuit where you're playing two a month and yeah. you're just drinking seven days straight till you can't. So sleep. good, so it's good, so fun. Yeah, it's, it's good. Colt, you are gonna love I the retired golf life, dude. I you're built wait. for this tour. Carts. By the way, <laughs> oh, I kill it in carts. I'm a big it's cart guy. Carts, music, booze, that's real golf. So, that is real golf. Yeah. I mean, anybody can play sober. Huh? Sober, walking, caddy, green. What's, what's sober golf? Sober and sleep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What's so the no. drink of choice on the golf course for JR? So I am a, a vodka soda guy. Love, uh, I love a vodka soda. Uh, at times, I will, I will go into a little tequila fresca. Mm. Uh, depends on what kind of carry device I have. If I have a, you know, a... 
a non-see-through um, thermos that I'm drinking out of, it'll be a, a tequila fresca, I'm, which is I'm one of the guy. best. Which one of the best drinks I think on the golf circuit? Um, but if I can't find anything, I'll just fill up a little water bottle with a with a little bit of vodka, drink it straight, and then then I'm <laughs> then, 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 then I'll play the rest of the way. I'll do it before I tee off. Just get that nice little that first first hit buzz, and then I'm good for the rest of the day. Yeah, it just calms the nerves more yeah, than for anything. sure. Got no question. Well, I was I was doing a little research on you earlier, and I came across your book, "Shoot First, Pass Later," which. I think would also oh be God. the name of Sleeze. Well, I got to come up with a new yeah. name for my book. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thanks, JR. Uh, it's, Son well, of a bitch. <laughs> I don't know if that's real true in my in my world, in my life. I'm I'm, I'm shooting all the time, not passing ever. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that was my second book that I that I did. My first book was um, was pretty successful. It was a locker room book. I spoke like I was in a locker room, swore oh. like I was in a locker room, told stories like I was in a locker room. Actually, Sports Illustrated did a, uh, a numbers comparison issue that told that talked about numbers and it said in the sports illustrated it said jeremy ronick says the f word five 519 times in his book that's five more than 50 shades of gray says the f word in his book <laughs> so I, I i am i, I guess i beat 50 shades of gray of saying the f-bomb in my book which is a lot of fun but i mean that's how hockey guys are that's how well that's how golfers are too that's just how you talk well that's i mean that's how you should talk if you want to give the fans the real perspective unfortunately there's too many people who are are chicken shit that don't actually really want to talk the way that people want to hear you talk like you're in the locker room Mm -hmm. or if you're you know in in tour in the locker room or or you know you're talking with your buddies on the golf course um they're too afraid to sugarcoat it and they're afraid that they're going to get in trouble or that people are going to look at them differently or they're not going to like them but you know i'm in a position now that i can say whatever i want and not give a shit what what other people think well said and we're glad to have you on the podcast at this exact time but what was the response to that book was there blowback like hey jr is too vulgar it's too much or people like no it was great i i mean i sold over half a million copies and and did a great, uh, did a, a, an amazing uh, job with my ghostwriter, and people seemed to love it. I got a lot of uh, good, good feedback, which led me to the second book, which is more of a kind of a, uh, a perspective of after hockey, being an, an, an analyst, uh, working in TV type of mentality, looking back. And I, I don't think I'll write another book, but as of right now, I'm, I'm keep happy. shooting, keep not passing. Correct. Could be the third. Correct. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I want to I want to go back to the beginning when you you started hockey at a very young age, I believe four years old. Mm-hmm. Who was kind of your idol growing up? What made you want to play the game? Um, so I grew up in Boston, and uh, you know during the seventies, and uh, Rick Middleton was was my idol. I actually moved around a lot after Rick Middleton, and or along with Rick Middleton was was Gordy Howe. Mm-hmm. I um, I had to. Had a really cool experience with Gordy Howe when I was seven years old. He dumped snow onto my head uh, while watching practice. I thought that was the coolest thing that ever happened. You know, there's like 100 kids watching practice, the Hartford Whalers practice on the glass, and Gordy Howe dumped snow on my head and winked at me and, you know, kind of gave me that, you know, oh, my God, it's just me and Gordy Howe. You know, he just acknowledged me. That was the coolest thing. And it was nothing for him, but for me, it, it, it made a lifetime memory and a lifetime story that I'm telling you guys now had the opportunity to tell Gordy, you know, the story. He just loved it. But that kind of, um, it really inspired me. And he was he was the guy that I really looked after, both on and off the ice, the way he acted. Yeah, I read that story, and it really kind of inspired you to treat fans that way once, once you made it. 
And it's amazing to me because you see so many, you know, young superstars nowadays that kind of don't give the time for the fans. And assholes. There's a lot. <laughs> there you of go. There you yeah. Go. There's too many. There's too many assholes in sports right now that think because they play a sport or because they make a lot of money playing sports that they're better than anybody else. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen athletes uh, come off the field, come off the court, uh, with the kids with their finger with their hands out, you know. Wanted to say hi, and they walk by and not even acknowledge them, mm-hmm. not even give them a fist bump or a high five, or just walk right on by. I, I've seen I've seen athletes be asked by kids to sign an autograph, and they say no. It it, it, it pisses me off to no end because what everybody has to realize in sports is that the fan creates and allows sports to be professional. Mm-hmm. It's them spending the money to come watch you play to um, fill the stadiums, come to the golf courses, um, you know, watch on television, whatever the case may be, that makes sports sports. If it wasn't for them, for us, it would just be a, a, a normal old men's league with a designated beer guy at our local arena down here. That's, that's it. So to me, you have to acknowledge the fan. You have to thank the fan. You have to know that we respect and, and appreciate that they're there. And any time that you can stop and sign an autograph. Anytime that you can take a picture, anytime that you can say hi and answer a couple questions, it doesn't take much, but it comes back to you in droves. And I always tried to make sure, I mean, I used to stick my hand through the camera hole during commercial breaks, take popcorn out of a kid's, uh, out of a kid's <laughs> bag and eat it, right? You know, while and he's, he's shocked that I just did it. Yeah. Take a hat off a kid's head yeah. and put it on top of my helmet and skate around while we're waiting for commercials to end. Those little things are going to allow these kids a memory and a story that they will remember forever. And, you know, when you have the ability to make that kind of impact on somebody and you don't do it, shame on you. That's and that awesome. kid will remember that story for the rest of his life. Yeah, why do you think like modern day athletes, not just hockey, but like other sports in general, why is that, why are they not that same, have that same mindset? Well, you have? I think a lot of things happen. I think they lose, I think a little perspective and respect of the history of the game. Uh, one thing that will allow you to, uh, to separate yourself from, uh, from a lot of people is, is money. And nowadays in, in the sporting world, people making millions and millions of dollars. I mean, basketball players are making $50 million a year. Hockey players are making 10, 12, 13 million a year, so on and so on. You can go on down the line. Um, I, I, I think when you have that, and especially today, I, I, I truly believe that the millennial, the, the, the kids of this age that have grown up uh, being coddled, being, um, you know, coddled and and pushed along in social media and being able to you know pretty much get away from real life and not be able to um communicate to be able to have a face-to-face conversation because they've been on a phone been on a computer they really lose the perspective of of communication they lose the perspective of real life how did you get there how did how did the game grow and money is 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 great for everybody, but they also lose the perspective of that. There's other people that are not making that kind of money that work hard every day. And we, uh, you know, we don't have the luxuries or they don't have the luxuries that professional athletes do. And they forget that perspective of when they were in that situation. And unfortunately they have that I'm better than you attitude because of it, because they play a sport that they think, you know, that they're better and they lose that that respect not only of other players but of the history of the game yeah but i feel like for the most part like most hockey dudes get it 
Like they're the they're cool guys. They're the guys I love to go hang out with. They, they mm-hmm. they'll yeah. have a beer after the game or or many. Yep. They love to play golf. They love to gamble. <laughs> they love to just talk shit and have a great time. Yeah. yeah. What, what is it about hockey that brings this out? You know, guys? it's it's a, it's a great it's a great point. And I and I I'm biased, but I'm not biased. I've been around. I think hockey players are the most respectful. They are the most caring, uh, the most approachable, and the most humble athletes that are out there, um, especially in the major the four major sports. I think they grow up. Um, you know, blue collar. Mm-hmm. I think they blew up. Uh, they grow up um, playing in Canada, playing. You know, playing for nothing. You know, their parents were middle class, worked hard to put them on the ice because it's not a cheap sport. It's a, a sport that does, that you need to have money to play. So that respect is there. Um, and you know, I I, I I I seriously think that it's uh, it's how you're brought up and it's the culture of hockey. When you have a lot of guys that have kind of grown up kind of similar. You make yourself make each other accountable because if a guy steps out of line in the locker room, NHL mm-hmm. locker room, you're going to get your ass kicked. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to get called out by your teammates. One hundred percent for sure. Uh, there will be fights on ice. There will be fights in the locker room. Um, you will be told by many guys that uh, either you shape up or you're not on this team. So it's the culture kind of that keeps everybody kind of humble. And the culture of hockey, like, I find it very interesting because, like, culture of hockey, like, fighting is part of the sport, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what – I've only been to a handful of hockey games in my life. I've stood up more during the fights than I did for any part of the sure. rest of the game, right? And that's just, like, accepted. But if you get to the NBA, NFL, whatever it is, a fight is, like, the biggest deal in the world. Suspensions, fines, yeah. all that stuff. Why is it that hockey – the dudes are the best dudes in the yeah. world. They're the coolest guys around. I've got a bunch of friends, Colt, same way. Like, why is that allowed in hockey and every other sport is like, hey, you are suspended for half the season yeah. and you're fined a bazillion dollars? I, know, I don't know the exact answer to this question. I, I, by the way, again, the culture of hockey goes back to where fighting was accepted, um, protecting the top players. Uh, it's a very physical sport. It's a very demanding sport. It is an aggravating sport. And remember, we're playing the most physical, fastest sport with weapons in your hand, right? And anger and, and frustration mounts like in a second in a hockey game. So when you're in a situation where you have a stick in the hand, you're mad, you're angry, and you're not thinking, the next thing that happens is a stick across the head or you know something happens violent with a, with, a, with a stick in your hand. So fighting just became one of those things where real men are going to decide their differences and drop the gloves, go at it for a little while and take five minutes and go back. It's always been in the game, and I think – you know, fighting has kind of changed now. It's yeah. definitely uh, diminished tremendously in the game. I think it's probably down like 60% over the last couple of years. Is that good or bad? It depends who you ask. Well, I mean, I'm asking, I mean, I'm I, asking I, Mr. Jeremy Rowe. I, I, I love the fights. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I love fights. I had over 40 fights in my career. I, I, you know, whether I got beat up or not, I just loved the adrenaline. I loved the rush. I loved the fans enjoyed it. Um, I think it's important because I was a top guy. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't have fights... I mean, guys would take liberties with me left, right, and center. And when you're taking liberties of guys slashing the ankles, punching you in the face, hitting your, you know, jet, you know, doing a lot of dirty, cheap shit to you, um, it, it gets where it gets tiresome. So if you don't have those guys protecting, you know, the fact that and keeping guys accountable for what they do on the ice, it can get pretty hairy out there on the ice. Other, other, go ahead, Cody. Other, other than other than fighting, what's the thing? that you think's changed the most? Because I remember, like, I watched that movie, Kelly Chase was involved in Ice Guardians, yeah. I believe, which was incredible. Because, yeah, I mean, you right, had a guy yeah. to protect the superstars. Nowadays, it doesn't seem like there is that. Yeah. No, there's, it's, it's it, like I said, the the tough guy is, is, is 
is a dinosaur now. It's exempt from the game. There's no more, you know, designated tough guys. If if you cannot play the game, you're not playing the game. If if you're a fighter, you got to be able to play the game at a high level. Um, so you know th- those those guys are extinct. But it's um, you still have a lot of guys that are tough as nails that can play the game and will drop the gloves and you'll see a good good fight. I think the game now is is more speed, it's more agility, it's more talent. These these kids are bred from seven years old to play the game. I don't think they're as f- mentally tough or physically tough, but they're way more talented. So it's the speed and agility and talent that's that's changed so much that these guys are have the ability to really bring you out of your seat mm-hmm. in in a in a in a talent level not so much the fighting level like we used to do back in the early 90s. You said you were involved in 40 fights plus when mm-hmm. you were in the NHL. Any one that stands out to you in particular, whether you whoop somebody's ass or got your ass whooped, that, like the, the, when you think of fighting, like that's what comes to uh, mind? Well, I, 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 I fought Bob Probert twice. It wasn't much of a fight. It, it ended really quick, and he's probably known as one of the best fighters of all time. I fought Marty McSorley, mm-hmm. who was Wayne Gretzky's protector for so many years. I learned a valuable lesson with Marty McSorley. This was my second year in the league. It might have even been my first. He was coming up the boards, and I, I ran him so hard. I hit him so hard on the boards. Perfect check. Hit him right in the chest. He went straight down, and I stood over him. My legs, he was in between my legs. I was looking down at him, and it was almost like I was, I was bragging by the stare I was giving him. And I remember turning around to skate away, and all of a sudden I felt his hand on the back of my che- on the back of my che- on my neck, and he pulled me around. And I turned around, and right before I can drop my gloves, I can hear everybody on the bench, all my teammates going, "No, don't do it!" Next thing you know, bang, he hits me oh, in the forehead so hard that I gr- I went black. Everything went black for a split second, and I'm trying to grab him just to hold on so another another punch doesn't come to me. But I could remember the blackness and, and not being able to see anything for a few seconds and knowing that I just did something that I should not have done, and I've never done that again. <laughs> Colts so, just shit his pants, yeah. brother. When yeah. you grab me, by when the way, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> we might have to take a break for a second. Let's regroup right yeah. now. Yeah. All right. But you mentioned Wayne Gretzky. Obviously, in golf, there's Tiger Woods, and in my opinion, we'll never see another Tiger Woods. For sure. Will we ever see another Wayne Gretzky in the game of hockey? Uh, I think not in terms of the point production that Wayne Gretzky produced. I think Wayne Gretzky was so far ahead of the of the game when he back in the eighties. He was the smartest, I, still the smartest player in the history of the game, and I don't think there'll be ever be a smarter player. I mean, Sidney Crosby might be close, but Wayne Gretzky was the smartest player and and just student of the game of anybody's ever seen. So he was so far ahead of everybody else. I mean, being able to get 216 points, 94 goals, we're, we're probably not going to see that again. But Connor McDavid right now, I think, is probably the best talented player I've ever seen in my life. I mean, wow. from top-end speed to what he can do with the puck to his ability to dominate a game, nobody does things with the puck at the level and the speed that this guy does under control in, in the history of the game. So talent-wise, yeah, we'll see a lot of guys better than Gretzky. But not a guy who was who was able to dominate point wise the way Wayne Gretzky did. And he he plays for Edmonton, Drew. I know the, Oilers. Edmonton. the Oilers. Yeah. The Oilers. Yeah. Edmonton's had I'm not a claiming to be a hockey savant. Got, got yeah. to explain things yeah. to him a little bit. Yeah. When, spell when we this, come to spell this all out for me. Yeah, I'll well, try him back in when we get to some. Calls. We do have to get to so you and Mike Madonna, same age, yeah. growing up together. Obviously, he was the first pick. You were the eighth. Y'all had quite a rivalry when Big y'all time. were playing together. Big time. What was what was that like? So I we actually grew up with Mike. He was from Michigan. I was from Boston. 
there was always that clash of who had the best hockey. Was it Massachusetts? Was it Michigan? Was it Minnesota? You know, growing up, we, we were playing on USA teams, especially 14 years old, 15 years old, all these, these young national teams where it was always in the scouting, always in the U.S. ranks, you know, who's better, you know, Jeremy Roenick or Mike Medano. So there was always that competition between us, right? When we're on the team, we're going over to Europe playing for a junior team. It's like, okay, we're, you know, who's going to have more points, Roenick or Medano? Or, or national ju- world juniors, who's going to have more points? So for me... Mike Medano is the best U.S. player to me that that's ever that's ever been been born, ever played. Uh, one of the most beautiful skaters, one of the most talented guys ever. And I always had to watch this, right? He was always to me, he was always better. So when I played against him, he was my he was my my level my my leveling stick, right? So when I played him, I wanted to beat his ass so bad, I wanted to win so bad, I wanted to outplay him so bad. A lot of times, you know, physically, I would I would take my liberties with him. Um, Tried to make sure that I would win anyway. I mean, I've, I got suspended for two games because I hit him from behind one time. I got my jaw broken because I knocked him out behind the net. Um, you know, I did so many things to Mike Medano because I respected him so much, but admired him so much, but hated him so much because he was always better than me. So it's that kind of that love, that love-hate relationship that you that you just can't you, you can't break away from it when you see him. And a funny story at the end of my career. You know, I've taken so many liberties with Mike, and, you know, we had a kind of a, a friction relationship, especially after knocking him out and having everything that happened in 98 <laughs> um, and hitting from behind in 2004. But in 2008, 2009, we're playing. I'm playing against him in, in uh, Dallas, and he's going into the corner to get a puck. And I'm coming behind him, and he knows I'm behind him, right? And he's like, oh, shit. So right before we get to the corner, I went, Heads up, Mike, I'm right here. Mike, I'm right here. Heads up, heads up, heads up. And I kind of grab him, kind of rub him off into the boards. And, you know, we go on. I mean, I'm 39 years old right now. I'm, you know, getting ready to retire. He's the same age. And we're skating up the ice, back up the ice. He comes behind me and goes, who are you and what would you do with Jeremy Roenick? What just happened there? <laughs> what just happened there? I'm like, I'm too old to be hitting you anymore, Mike. You're too good for me. And I've kind of walked away. But, you know, I have the utmost respect for him. And I seriously think that he's the best best U.S. player I mean, ever. How ridiculous is it, Mike Madonna? He's Obviously, one of the best to ever play, fastest, incredible golfer, awesome, good golfer. looking. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I understand why you want to kick the shit out yeah, of him. Uh, there's no question <laughs> about it. Seriously, I, I, he's he's got everything, right? He, he does. He was married to a to a Hollywood celebrity. You know, he's got the he's, he's in the Hall of Fame. He won a Stanley Cup. He's got everything that that everybody dreams of having as growing up as a young kid and a young athlete. And but he's a great guy. And you're right. He's got one of the most beautiful golf swings of all time he, he his golf swing is up there with with pro level golfers and he's he's crazy about the game and he's, he's a lot of fun to play with but his golf game is over now because i think he's getting ready to have his fifth fifth, oh my God, fifth, dude, fifth so child kids, he's got yeah. five kids he's gonna have five kids under six years old so his golf game is gone so i used to play a ton of golf with him and i was like yeah. if you put mike madonna on the range at a pj tour event and just let people that don't if there was no names and you saw him, they'd be like, man, that guy's probably really, really good. Yeah. yeah He's 100%. unbelievable on the driving range. He sucks on the golf course, though. I tell, <laughs> I tell him that every day. like the worst thing you've ever mental seen. Mental midget. He uh, is. I, I don't, you know, he's always played really well with me. But the two guys that I love playing with to have the best swings, Brett Hall has mm-hmm. one of the most gorgeous golf swings, and he just doesn't give a shit about anything. So <laughs> he's got the perfect golf mentality, and he's – He's probably one of the best golfers I've ever played with too. But the golf mentality. But you're exactly right. If they were on a range with pros, you would yeah. you would have no idea no they're hockey players. He was my member member partner 
a handful of years ago and we were like pretty good friends but this was like kind of us like really getting to know each other and like it was we were two holes in and he would hit a bad shot and like every swing he made for the rest of the day was like yo do you see anything going on like what do i got right here i was like dude you're perfect what are you asking about like you're fine just hit the ball he he freaks out he he, no he definitely um he's a perfectionist right he wants perfection yes and he has a golf coach he has a swing coach and he works on his game so much i i don't know how he does i just go to i just go play i Screw the range. The range yeah. only only puts things into my head. I'm he needs your he needs your water bottle out there before he tees off. Yeah, 100%. he needs some yeah. to tone him back. He's wired differently. He's, he's a guy that like, high strong. He's way quieter, way more timid, way way more subdued. Um, you know, he's he's a he's he's one of my favorite guys that I've ever played played with and played against, and you know, I consider him a friend, but. Uh, you know, he he's he, he likes his alone time. He's got his family time, so you don't we don't see each other as much. What's your golf matchup like with him? Because you guys are both really really good players. That's got to be a well. A I'm I'm usually ahead match. of him. I I finish yeah. ahead of him in Tahoe every year. I mean, that's where we play with each other the most is in Tahoe. And you know, for the last ten years, I've he's probably beaten me one time in the last ten years. So. What's the hockey hierarchy in terms of like golf wise? Who's the best? Like, there's a lot of good hockey players. Who do you, where, uh, like what's pr- the past or present? Like past, like past players, guys either. that are playing in the or celebrity either. circuit yeah. and stuff. Well, now, what's the ranking system? Where do you? Where I, I are, think I think Brett Hall is the best. Mm-hmm. He's good. Yeah, Brett Hall is the best. Uh, I would put myself. At, You're right there. I, I put myself at second. Uh, Grant Fear is a really good golfer. Mario Lemieux is a real good golfer. Pierre Larouche, who's a little bit older now, but he's a phenomenal golfer. Um, Ray Whitney's a good Whitney's golfer. Whitney's a wizard, man. Wit- 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 Wits, nice. Wits is great. He caddied for me at Phoenix Open this Wit- year. Wits, the sneakiest actually, actually, Wits might. Wits is probably better than me. I'm gonna put Wits at second. He's that guy can move a ball at, with the best of them. So I'm, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Whitty. I'll tell you, a young sure. kid that's good. This young kid for the Coyotes, Clayton Keller. Clayton's got a per- beautiful swing, yep. doesn't he? You he played, can hit it. We probably played up with him in Silverleaf, right? Yep. Have you played with him there? Oh yeah. He's just he's just fluent. That, that that guy's got a lackadaisical, beautiful, right down the line swing. Just nothing seems to bother him. I I actually took him on up at uh, Weekopaw earlier earlier this year, maybe about a month and a half ago, and uh, we went right down to the 18th hole, and I and I got him on the 18th Good. hole. But he he gave me everything that I that I can handle. He's, he's got that new big contract. Take all of it. Yeah, I'll get fifty-seven million. I'm trying to get my, my son was actually supposed to play with him today, but they're closing Silverleaf early because of all of this yeah. shutdown closer shit. Well, I got one more last hockey question for you. Okay. If you're obviously you, you're a big student of the game still. What player today reminds you of Jeremy Roenick back when you're none. Playing? None. I've had, I've had this question asked. God, I had one. I had a player in mind. Now I feel stupid. No, no, but it's a, it's a great question. And I ever, I, I feel I have a great answer. Like I do for most questions that are brought to me. <laughs> yes. yes um, I you love can that. tell I like to talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah keep going, I like the bro. none answer. Keep going, bro. Yeah. Zero. Zero um, people. I love this question because it's asked of me a lot and, this is, and I've had actually people that have tried to decipher this with me to try to kind of break down players today and, and, and how we played in the nineties, how I played and how they play now. So I, I loved to crush people when I played, I loved hitting so much. I would, I remember every first shift I would run around and try to hit somebody as hard as I possibly can. And I would target the head, I would target the chest and I would hit to hurt. And I did it a lot. A lot of times I hurt my own self because I'd go out of my way to try to play physical. I mean, Mike Keenan built that into my into my head to be a physical player. Scored a lot of goals, 500 goals. You know, only four Americans have ever done that. I was a third. Over 700 assists. That's pretty good playmaker. 
I have over 15, 1,600 penalty minutes, which is a shit ton of penalty <laughs> minutes for somebody that scores that amount of points. So when you, when you take all of that in, together, when Brendan Shanahan scored a lot of goals, he was tough, but he didn't hit as much as I did. Um, I don't want to say my answer now. Um, <laughs> Cold Ale- Alex Ovechkin is physical, hits a lot. Not the playmaker I was. See, that was one of mine. Better goal scorer, but not a playmaker. Not a not as good a defensive player that that I was. Um, you know, I think my all around game. I think well, I don't think my all around game was better than Ovechkin. He's just probably the best goal scorer that the game has ever seen. Um, cla- that's true classic um, classic goal scorer. But I mean, Jamie Ben at one time. Maybe he hit a lot. That's what I have written there down you go. right yeah. here. Yeah, Jamie, Jamie ben. ben. Yeah, Jamie Ben was another guy. When he passed. wants to, when he, he wants to play and be physical, he reminds me of you a little. Not not quite the probably as physical as yeah. you. Yeah, I fought more than Jamie. Um, I hit more than Jamie, but Jamie was Jamie is a he's a power forward that has hands. He's kind of lost a little bit of touch this you know, in the last year and a half, but he's still a tremendous player. I'm I'm a big fan of Jamie, but I, I don't I don't see anybody in the game yeah. that does. Just, Everything just so you don't think I'm did. lying, though. I just want you to see I have Jamie Ben. Right yeah, right. there you go. He's a, he's a research guy. Colby, yeah. you know your game, man. I'm a big hockey guy. Yeah. I'm a Cole, big hockey guy. you know your game, buddy. I like it. Yeah. You so. mentioned like Wayne Gretzky had a protector, right? And a lot of the, like a lot of the stars d- didn't weren't as physical as you were. Did you have any? Uh, you you seemed to embrace it. Like did I did. You, you didn't have anyone that was like protecting. Like hey, protect Jr. at all costs. I, like, you I didn't wanted, ask right? for people to protect. Like I, I'm a true believer that if you're going to run around and you're going to be an asshole, you're going to hit hard, you're going to do things that people don't like, and you're going to have to be, be be held accountable. Like you have to you have to be accountable for the way that you're going to play. And I listen. If I'm going to hit you as hard as I can, and I might take a cheap shot at you, you're going to come after me. I'll drop the gloves. I'll I mean I'll take my beating, but I'm going to come back again. I'm going to come back again. And I'm going to come back again until you quit. So for me. I, yeah, I love to have Stu Grimson on my team. I loved having Bob Probert on my team. I loved having Dave Manson on my team. These big giant guys that you know would knock people out if they got close to me. But I had no problem sticking up for myself and fighting my own battles. I actually liked that. whether I got my ass kicked or not, which I did most of the time. Um, <laughs> I, I I love that just that gladiator type of. I loved coming out of a game with blood on me. God. Dude, was, that's just got to be some way you're wired. Like, dude, you don't teach I, that. I don't think you develop that. Is that just something you're like, – was that the case from a young boy? Like, you like to hit people no, and get hit No, not until I turned pro. I didn't hit really? anybody until I turned pro. Mike Keenan scared the piss out of me in my first um, preseason game to, that literally said, if you don't hit the guys that you're playing against, then you're not going to play pro. And I was, like, so scared that Mike Keenan was going to keep me from playing. I just – I was 150 pounds. I started throwing myself like a human torpedo all over the place. And I found that it was effective. I found the fans like that. They went crazy. But I, my dad always used to say to my mom when he was watching on television, if I got cut or if I was bleeding early in the game, I was going to have a big game. Mm. I was going to come out. That got the juices. That got the juices flowing. When blood came on me, it was almost like, you know – you start frothing at the mouth. You said, this is good shit. You know, bring, this, bring it to me. You know, I got excited and, and I started feeling better. And, and when you feel better and you feel confident, you're going to make smarter plays and get, make better decisions. And I always played better with blood on me. That's incredible. that's how I played golf same. too. Yeah, dude. same. I was going and I looked for my ball in the shit. I was like, as soon as that first yeah. Saguaro gets me, it's on. Yeah. Hey, I've been I've been bloody on the golf course too. Me and Jim McMahon, Jim McMahon, and I played Medina one year. And by the third hole, 
the glass was broken and both of us had blood all over our shirts <laughs> and can't the cuts hands we were you know both of us hammered the the not only the glass but the cart and each other in the and match that we had <laughs> each other. You, you know? and jim mcmahon jim, that yeah. you need to be that that's a that's a round that needs to be mic'd up videoed up that, the whole nine 100 he's that's, a legend that he is, is a beautiful man that's priceless content right there. that is without right. question well, 20 year nhl career then you went into broadcasting. At what point did you start thinking? Obviously, I know you like to talk a lot. Yeah, At what I point did you that. start thinking, maybe I should start getting into TV a little bit? I really didn't. You know, throughout this whole time of being a loudmouth, brash, honest, um, you know, you know, guy playing the game, I never thought that I was kind of setting myself up for television. I mean, television wasn't a huge thing. Uh, we had local television, but not the national side. And then when I retired in 2009, I really didn't know what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And then... Then January rolled around, rolled around. The Olympics were coming in Vancouver. Peter Laviolette, who was supposed to be going to the Olympics for NBC, got the Philadelphia job, so there's a spot open. So my agent uh, called NBC, and you know I did a deal with NBC that I would behave myself and mind my P's and Q's and not say anything stupid, and uh, got the job at the Olympics. Had a, a, an amazing time, did really well, and, and turned into a 10-year career. And it was something that I had to get used to, you know, having people talk in my ear, talk about the game, being able to talk on camera, live, being able to get my words out. Obviously, I have a lot of things in my head, a lot of ideas, a lot of opinions to try to get them down in 15, 30 seconds is almost <laughs> impossible for me. And I had to learn how to do that on television. But I loved it. And I was honest with people. I, I told people how it was, regardless of who was playing, regardless if they're my friends, regardless of the teams that I played for. And I let people try to, you know, get the real, the, you know, the real, real stuff. And I think people appreciate it. And it, I turned into a pretty good career until, and that, until this year. And that's exactly why people loved you is because you're not afraid. You're, you're not afraid. You don't mince words. You, you say what you think. Mm -hmm. You have opinions, right? Which yeah. is not always popular on television. But how hard is it to walk that line between, hey, be a personality, say what you think, yeah. but also don't slip up too much and say too much because yeah. then people will get mad. How hard is but does it to that walk happen? that line? Does that happen? No, not no. really. Does not, that happen? Definitely when, not when, for when you, dude. Words, yeah. when, when you screw up with words? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too used to that. Um, <laughs> you know, I was always on edge. Uh, you know, I always had somebody from NBC watching me, always monitoring all my shows, monitoring my Twitter, monitoring my, my social media. Um, but listen, I think our whole, our, our, our worlds are, are made up of personalities. They're made up of um, debates. They're made up of opinions. And especially when it comes to sports, I think people want to hear what the real truth is, what, what we as players really think about what we're watching. They don't want to be sugarcoated. They, they don't want me to talk, you know, about the Blackhawks when they're watching the game, they know they suck. And I come on and I sugarcoat it. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to rip the Blackhawks. So I played them for so long or a player or something like that, or the referees who most of the people want to have their banter and want to have their bit, their, their bit sessions about the referees the the network won't let you talk about the referees because they want to have good relations with the league um and for me that, that just wasn't me i just want to speak the truth tell people the real opinion of what i think because that's what i'm there for I'm, I'm not there to make up stories or you know blow smoke up somebody's ass i'm there for to do a job and to be honest um, when i first got there my boss said one one thing to me that always stuck he said we're here to inform teach but not make friends. 
And I, that kind of stuck in with me. I have enough friends. I, I don't mm-hmm. need to, I don't need to talk on TV like I want everybody to like me. Sometimes it's just as good when 50% of the people hate you and 50% of the people like you because you can say whatever the hell you want and you'd be okay. That's mm-hmm. kind of the mentality that I, that I run by. That's awesome. Well, obviously we have to get into it. Yep. The reason you're no longer doing TV is the comments with Catherine Tappan yep. and Patrick Sharp, yep. which you were on the Spit and Chicklets podcast, which was fantastic. Yeah, by the way. They, they do an great. awesome job. They do a great, great, great show. But no I mean, question. you said something just so innocent, just joking around fun, and then it just went to this whole nother level. Well, I, I I think there's a lot of things about this. And, you know, you learn in life when, you know, life changes, people change, um, society changes. And, you know, I'm always been, I'm always going to be one that's going to have fun. I'm always going to be one that's going to want to entertain with a story and tell stories of what's happened to me. And I've done it many, many times. Um, you know, I told a story that of something that actually really happened a true story of uh, of my wife and Catherine and going on a trip and what people were talking about us and and we joke about ourselves and unfortunately I got caught in a culture and by the way I never said the word threesome in the whole thing I actually praised my counterparts more or bigger than anybody else has on NBC or maybe for the for for anybody ever has period for the most part but you know, I got caught uh, on a on a racy podcast, which is great that tells stories that lets loose. You know, I was telling actual story. I didn't ask anybody to do anything, didn't threaten anybody to do things, and I thought at the time everything was fine. Right? I'm yeah. not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. I have this conversation with Catherine. I have this conversation with my wife. The, the problem is, is, you know, what I didn't know, the NBC was going through their own problems. I mean, they're, they're going through a huge investigation of, of, um, of covering up uh, certain things that have happened within their network that shouldn't be allowed, whether it's um, sexual harassment or, um, you know, political bias or whatever the case may be. NBC had their own problems that they were under investigation for. And then I come up with my big mouth and tell a story and they just didn't need, this is my opinion, they didn't need me adding fuel to the fire. So firing me is like, it's a notch on their good yeah, on their yeah. good page, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, see what we did? We um, don't condone that. Yeah, oh, we don't condone that. So I'm, I was like the sacrificial lamb to say, listen, we, we can't have any more. We have already, I mean, the head of NBC stepped down because of it. Um, I mean, I could talk forever. I, I just believe that everything happens for a reason and great things come out of bad things. And I definitely learned my lesson about society and what you can say, what you can't say, how people perceive what you say. Um, do I agree with it? I mean, not all of it. I agree with some of it. But there are people that are still there that have done a million times worse in society than I have done that are still there. And that kind of bothers me, but, um, it is what it is. There are certain people that will get, um, preferential treatment and that will always happen in all, in, in all of society and all of industry, unfortunately. But, um, I have some really good things that are coming and I wasn't going back to NBC next year anyway. So whether I was done in July or they fired me in February, uh, good things are going to happen to me. Learn from my mistakes, learn from some of the things I can and can't say. Um, 
do I have great things to say about NBC? Hey, listen, they gave me 10 great years. You know, they, they gave me the opportunity to make another life for myself, create another image for myself, be with the fans. I'll never, you know, I'll, I'll always be appreciative of that. But the way it ended was, was really unfortunate, to tell you the truth. Well, let's, let's get to that exciting stuff that you got coming up because we were just talking about it before the show. What, what's, what's next? If people love Jeremy Roenick, they want to see what you're doing, what's, what's next on tap for you? Um, so, you know, when I got fired, I had a lot of time to myself to kind of reflect, kind of take some time to myself. I, I used to travel 300 days a year. Now I'm home every single day. Um, I'm playing golf. I'm having home-cooked meals. I'm doing things that I don't usually do. And I went, there's just a I, strange irony. I went, to, um, uh, I went to a kid's birthday party over at Topgolf. And uh, I was going to see my buddy Troy Gloss um, and his wife, Ann Gloss, obviously big baseball guy, Toronto, um, Toronto player. And I was there, and all of a sudden, Eric Burns came up to me. Eric Burns, you know, a great Major League Baseball player. He's one of the best characters on Major League Baseball, and it, period. If you watch his social media, this guy's unbelievable. And he came up to me because I can't believe you're here. Like I was just talking about you the other day with my partner up in, in San Francisco. We're starting this platform called no filter broadcast. And he starts explaining it to me. And it's all about, it's all about broadcasting games the way we like to watch games. If you're with your buddies and you're at home and you're yelling at the television because you're mad at the referee, you're mad at a player or you're, or, or something happens a game and it's like, Oh, you know <laughs> why that happened you know? i don't know what you're talking about you know? never Scream do that it, you know god damn it the referee doesn't he know i have 500 dollars on the game damn it you know just it's 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 the real life real way to watch a game so no filter broadcast is gonna have give people the ability to mute the television and not listen to the boring bullshit that a lot of the commentators throw you and <laughs> Turn on our your, no filter. Our no filter on your computer, on your laptop, or your your face on your um, your iPad or your phone. That's brilliant. And sit there it. and watch us and interact with us, right? You can you can text us and we'll answer your question. We all having to have the ability to bring you on screen and make you a part of the broadcast. And also we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have original content where. You know, we'll make up shows. Like, I'm going to have a gambling show. I'm going to do a, a, a real-life show where we'll talk about all aspects of life. What pissed you off this week? I There's a lot of things that pissed me of off this week. Well, I'll have, a, I'll have a show probably on on Saturday that what pissed you off this week? What made you happy? What made you sad? You know, so th No Filter is going to be a great way for people to find original content and find it from all different kinds of people. And I say different kinds of people because let, let's say there's an 8-year-old Let's say there's a fit, an 85-year-old that wants to come on No Filter Broadcast. They want to they wanna create a, an image for themselves. They fill out all the forms. They get their own channel, and they can literally use their social media to reach out to fans, watch me broadcast the game. And let's say this little 8-year-old is awesome. He's so much fun to watch. He gives a great perspective. He's entertaining. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's got some good words that he uses. Maybe he wears a tux. Maybe he wears different outfits. And people like him, so he watches him. And he grows a following. Well, when you grow a following, the next thing that comes is the advertisers. Mm -hmm. And what we'll do at No Filter is we'll broadcast their, you know, we'll push out the, and publicize this kid and we'll get advertisers for him. And if advertisers come on and want to, you know, advertise on a show, we're actually going to pay that eight-year-old and That's give these awesome. kids the opportunity to find maybe a future 
in broadcasting or at least have some fun and maybe make some money that to save for college or whatever. So no filter broadcast is going to be coming soon. Hopefully, um, hopefully this summer, midsummer, but, um, it's going to give you the real deal, man. And when, when you put Jeremy Roenick with a no filter <laughs> front end, you don't know what's going to happen yeah, next. I think, I'm very excited. I think people are clamoring for, is this for, so just to be clear, is this for all sports? This isn't just all hockey, sports. this is baseball, basketball, this is football, everything. golf. This is everything. Got a couple of golf. By the way, right golf. This for golf. This by the, you guys would be f***ing great. All right, we're in. This is the deal. We'll done. do it for a million listen, a year piece. It's done. Hey, listen, it's you, guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys can create whatever you guys want. Advertisers like you, you guys can come on, and make as much money as you want. Advertisers will love you guys. You guys are just a hoot to listen to. Um, so we got to talk about that afterwards because you guys would be awesome on this. On well, that's this. done. So. And I'm also um, I'm working on um, on coming out with a uh, with a flavored whiskey at some Ooh. point at the end. Of oh, the, so booze and unfiltered. You just said you drink and vodka and tequila. <laughs> now all of a sudden we're gonna throw a whiskey in there. There's too much competition in vodka and, and that's vodka true. And tequila. That's a businessman. Yes, that's a freaking businessman. And I do like whiskey, and whiskey is very popular right now. And everybody's trying to come out with their own whiskey. I'm doing a flavored whiskey, which is uh, really big with the millennials. It's gonna be a mm. it's gonna we're, be a chocolate. Are we whiskey. millennials? What are we? I don't know. Are I think you, I'm on like the are you, are you old 35? end of millennials. I'm 35. What are you, okay. 35? I turned 35 in a okay. couple of years. We're the same are, you age. Guys, you guys are still millennials. Yep. Yes, are we are. really? Yep. I hate that term because a millennial is like a derogatory but you're term. But you're, like you're, you're at the back kids. end. You know, you kind of yeah, yeah. you probably have, you know, a mixture of both. I, I don't you guys We're are. old souls for millennials. You guys, All right, we're going to talk about this whole no filter, but I love That's the nicest thing anyone's ever no, said to us. I don't no, no, you guys aren't pussies. That's no, the nicest perfect. shit anyone's yeah. ever said you're to us. You're not tough, but you're not a pussy. No, you're definitely perfect. not tough. No, no one's ever said that about us. Can I do a weird, complete segue into some stuff uh, that's completely unrelated, but I know you're a big conspiracy theory guy, and I could not do this podcast uh, without getting into some cons- conspiracy theories. Stuff. How did you, you know that, by the way? Do, do, do we do our research here on, on Subpar. This is not some rookie league schmo ass. You think we just show up and ask questions? You think questions? we just show up Gosh. and be like, hey, Jeremy. How you, you guys doing? are good because I'm, I thought I was a secret conspiracy no. theorist. No, though. dude. Mm. It's, all, it's all in the open. So I got a lot of shit to ask you about this. Let's get into it right now. So before I ask you specific conspiracy theories, give me what's the one that you are convinced is true. The, 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 the majority of the United States would be like, you're full of shit. JFK Jr. is still alive. That's what I thought. Okay, so JFK Jr., who, by the way, well, I'll but let why? you do it. But why? No, no, hold on. Give people the background on JFK Jr. in case people are unfamiliar. The plane crash. Well, the, the problem, the, 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 what people don't understand is our world is, is, is run by not the government, so, so to speak. It's a bigger, higher entity. It's the richest people on the planet, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the uh, you know the Guggenheims the Clintons at the one time it was the Epstein's even deeper um, the people that you know that run the banking world the Rothschilds run the banking world the Rockefellers are run the oil all over the world these people have run you know in the twenties and thirties and forties it was the mafia these people ran everything they controlled the government they controlled what everything where all the money went well. All of a sudden, you had JFK Jr. or JFK that got you know came to office. JFK's father actually did made a deal with with the mafia to help his son get into office. If he did, I mean, JFK JFK's dad was you know not the the most cleanest guy. <laughs> so when don't laugh at this, I'm no, all I'm all ears. So now Jeremy has my full attention. Yeah, dude. So now 
you know, JFK gets in. Now, this is why he had great relationships with Frank Sinatra. He had a lot of good relationships with other Mafia guys for a little while. Makes sense. For a little while. But JFK and his brother Robert, these guys were, they wanted to, they wanted everything to be clean. They wanted to be straightened up and up. And they kind of booted, you know, booted friends with the Mafia. They started getting ready to call out some of these higher, higher people that were controlling everything. And that's just not going to happen. And when JFK got assassinated in Dallas, you know, it's it's a pretty tough thing. Eight eight different people shot at him that day. Eight. The cover up of JFK, you know, getting assassinated is. A, I thought is it was two story. people shot at him. Oh uh, no! Oh uh, no! <laughs> no! No! Eight. That's, that's what the civilians think. Eight. Really eight. Eight. And the guy that got him was actually in the drainage ditch that was right in the drainage. Um, in the sewer, right where the car stopped for a split second. And you can see where the curb was marked with a, with a white line. So they knew exactly where that white line was in relation to that hole in the, in the sewer system. That's the guy that got him. Anyway, okay. that, you got to watch the whole show. It's unbelievable. But what's, un, what's even more so for me is now JFK gets assassinated. That's a huge cover-up. Who did it? Who didn't do it? How did it happen? Lee Harvey Oswald. It's it's amazing how Lee Harvey Oswald came out the next day, and a guy with a gun just comes right out of the crowd and gets him. Like yeah. like that's gonna happen. They they wanted him out. What a so he was the scapegoat. They couldn't have him around. They they killed him the next day. So cover up everything. But anyway, then you have JFK Jr. sitting there saluting his dad. He's what three and a half years old, uh. four four years old. As he starts getting older, he starts understanding. Why his dad got assassinated? What happened? He starts doing all his research as he's getting older. He's getting more popular. He's doing things. He is JFK Jr. And he knows about these higher entities. He knows about the cabal. He knows about the, about the mafia. He knows all the people that he can bring down. By the way, you know who one of, Don, one of uh, his best friends were in the early 90s? Who's that? Donald Trump. Yeah. Okay. So you don't think these guys talked about it? You don't think Donald Trump and, and JFK Jr. talked about it? You know, JFK writes, uh, starts his own magazine, George, right? Starts writing things. If you look at some of the some of the some of the covers of George, you know Hillary Clinton. Will she be? Will she be caught? Will she be brought out? There is uh, Bill Gates will control uh, human population with viruses and antiviruses. This is back in the '90s. That shit's happening right now. So. Now all this stuff is happening. Actually, there was a, there was a picture with JFK that says um, John F. Kennedy will reappear in 2020. I mean, there's really I've, weird I've shit. I've read all about that. There's really shit that's, that's crazy. So when he's getting ready to kind of uncover a lot of the shit that's going on, by the way, JFK wrote Joe Biden a letter calling him a traitor, a, a, a handwritten letter to Joe Biden in the 90s calling uh, Joe Biden a traitor. Like, this is stuff that's happening in the 90s. So when he's bringing out all these big, big time names, all these big people who have run the world, what's probably going to happen to JFK Jr.? Probably the same thing that happened to his dad. What's the best way to survive and survive to the future? Disappear. Just disappear. And I just think that the plane crash was a way to set set up his death to... Find a way to disappear. Now, JFK Jr. has a lot of money. He can disappear if he wants He's to. He's still alive. I, whether he is or not, 
I want to believe it. I'm a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> they Every, say he's in Pittsburgh. He's been Every, hiding in Pennsylvania for a number of years. That's where you go. Hey, listen. Yeah, with all the money, there's, there's two people. Yeah, there's two people. Pennsylvania. There's two people that follow Trump around to his rallies. Okay. Yeah. One is this guy whose face changes all the time and mm -hmm. is actually very much similar to him. And you know his nose gets bigger, nose changes. It's 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 pretty crazy. Um, and then there's a person. A woman who's really close to him in the crowd, but they're never standing next to him. And if you see their face and you see their smile, it's 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 Bissette and her. It is identical 20, 25 years later. And I'm telling you, I, I am a believer and I, I think something big is coming down the pipeline. I don't know what it is, but I heard he's going to reappear in 2020. 2020. Right. That's so, what I've been told. I hope it comes. And by I say I, been told, I mean read on the internet, which means it's true. Well, listen, if if you need someone to come out and call out all these people, I, I mean, I heard through friends of friends of friends who are deep in, into the into this whole conspiracy thing and people in government that Trump has like 150 or 200 in secret indictments ready to slam down on some of the biggest people in this world. Is mm -hmm. that true? I mean, I I I read QAnon. I watch yeah. the cabal. I, I follow all this stuff like it's crazy. Is it true? I don't know. But who's the best person to bring that shit out? Might be JFK Jr. right before the 2020 right election. Right before 2020. Well, we could obviously talk about this for hours. Do you have another conspiracy theory you want to Well, I just about? want to rattle off a few more because I wanted just, to get you quick. Get to it's a quick takes. So. We're going to get to E9. I want to take up all your time. But all right, moon landing, real or not? Yes, I believe it is. Okay, yes. Area 51. Did we discover alien spacecraft? I believe in Area 51. Um, I like to believe in, in aliens. This Listen, is, this uh, is uh, where uh, I get do, interested. Do you think that we're the only... I mean, space is so big and it's galaxy after galaxy. Do you think we're the only planet where that something could have grown? With intelligent life? No. I believe there are something else out there. There's got to be something else out I'm there. I'm not a big conspiracy theorist guy, but I do believe in some of that stuff. I, you know, I see things on TV and I say, that's definitely not true. But I, I mean, I... I don't right. really know if I want to believe in aliens or not. It's one of those things. Because that freaks me the f*** out. Tell you it's the truth. gnarly, dude. It's gnarly if you dig real deep into it and all the Navy guys that have seen different things and all their accounts. No, I don't, like, want to, I don't, I don't think I want to know. I right. really don't. All right, really we'll leave that TBD. Right. Uh, Biggie and Tupac. Uh, Alive or dead? Oh, no, they're dead. Okay, it's Biggie and Tupac. Yeah. Rest right. Let's get going yeah. to Emergency 9. He ended it right What about now? the Illuminati? Real quick, the Illuminati. Are they 100%. real? 100%. There you go, dude. Illuminati is real. I Illuminati knew the Illuminati is was real, bro. 100% is there. It's they're true. running everything. They run. It's the Rothschilds. <laughs> it's the Rockefellers. Yeah, it's, Rockefellers. It's, it's all of them. The Someone Illuminati. has to get this show under control. No, so this I'm is perfect. Right this is what we came for, JR. On. Dude, we can't didn't. sit here for four hours. Dude, we have a rare brain in our in our, in our our presence right now. We need to tap into it, dude. Listen, you're the rare brain illuminati I have to deal with it every day okay all right all right i think i think john podesta's email should be go back for 20 years Let's see we're gonna have you back on and we're gonna do an entire show on yeah. conspiracy if you want to do a conspiracy that's done deal. show i'll do that's it that's a done deal we'll I do it when it. we do no filter I all right it. keep all right. going all right well, now we'll get to our thing we do this with every guest emergency nine nine fun questions okay we're gonna start it off number one we ask this to every guest movie about the life of jeremy ronick who plays it well i have two um oh Great. Well, because yeah, awesome. because if you're gonna have a life about me, you're gonna have a young one and you're gonna have an old one. Okay. So I'm gonna go Woody Harrelson mm. would be the young. Respect. And then James Woods would be old. Wow. Okay. Do I have you Woody want... written down. You have Woody? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Is that your only one? If he Woody had Harrison? Hair. Woody Harrelson's the only one. I have the one. 
By the way, and by the way, I googled this man today, and his current picture is eerily similar to you. We can pull it up after the show. I'll show it to you, Dolph Lundgren. Ooh, that's a good one. Fuck, dude, that's, that's really. By good By the one. way, that's like the highest compliment by the way, let I can me, give let, to let someone. Me, let me go do some push-ups and some pull-ups. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get there. You would never lose this. to Rocky in Russia, by the way. That that that's zero actually, chance. I, I have Dolph Lundgren. I, looks I have like zero you. chance of looking like him physically, but I like the call. Yeah, Dolph Lundgren is a good one. All right, we'll go second one. Touched on it a little bit earlier, but give me one guy in the NHL that you wanted no part of in a fight. Ty Domi. This is the craziest man on skates because he fight anyone, and he was the one guy that every time he got hit in the face, he got more excited, (laughs) and he smiled, and he got more, just more, (laughs) you know, just angered and fun and you see this. His face is look looks like it's made out of Teflon, right? And his head is made out of Teflon. It's, he's honestly, he he fought the biggest guys in the game and was like beat him, and he can play the game. That's so, how I feel about you. Like the one guy you don't want, Jeremy Roenick. Oh, Done. I love that. That's good. Well, I that was I would I would throw you some cheap shots too because I, listen, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So I'm well said. Yeah, well said. All right, number three. PGA Tour player who'd make the best hockey player? Um, now, probably, probably Kepka, yeah. Kurt Kepka, because he's he's built like a hockey player. He's got the mentality. He's just doesn't give a shit. Um, I would probably go with Kepka. Yeah, I like I that. Can yeah. See that. Yeah, that makes yeah. total sense. And, and he's aggressive. He don't give a shit. He's just he's firing at pins. He just it doesn't matter if it's a it's a major or nothing. He plays best in the majors. He just that's. He has the mentality of a seeds, of an and he's yeah. in the gym. Yeah. He's in that gym too. All right, next question. You're not afraid of a lot. We didn't even get into like the way you rattle, you wrestle rattlesnakes and alligators and all that stuff. But give me one thing that Jeremy Roenick is afraid of: dying. Dying. Yeah, I have too much fun. You should fun, contact man. the Illuminati. Dude. They could probably <laughs> set you up for life. I, you know, I just, I, you know, I, I love life so much. I love people so much. I, lo- I there's so much that I want to do in this life, and we're, we're not here for very long, and. God, when we're gone, this is a long, this, it's a long time that you're gone for. You know that, right? <laughs> I, I, it's a long I time. I think I know. It, it, it's yeah. a I really long time. It's a really long well, time. Well, I don't know yet. And and by the way, I just don't know what, you know, you hear all these stories. I saw the light and I saw grandma. I, I, I saw, you know, and you just don't know whether that's that's true or not. You want to believe, right? And I think that's what keeps us keeps faith in all of us, right? We, we want to believe, but I don't. I just don't know. So well, to preserve I knew it wasn't life. rattlesnakes yeah. or alligators. No, so no. I just wanted to those, see what it was. No, those things are nothing. There's yeah. little sissies. Yeah. yeah all right, number five. To it. Hockey players are very superstitious. Craziest superstition you've ever had or that you've heard of? Um, I, you know, I, superstitions are crazy. A lot of people like to call them, um, um. What are they? Uh, routines. Yeah. Um, for me, when I got when I got hot, I would wear the same underwear Ugh. all the time, no matter what. Wash or no wash. And this isn't this is this isn't yeah, this isn't my game. No, this question. isn't my game stuff. This is stuff that I wore like when I left the house. Like if I had a pair of underwear on, if I was scoring goals, I would have the same underwear on six days from when I first put it on. Because remember, you don't play every single day. Yeah. So if I scored on Monday. I'd keep that underwear on until Wednesday. No wash? And if I scored on Wednesday, I would have to wear them again. Of course. I wouldn't wear them like on Tuesday. 
Right. But I'd wear Give them, them game a day, day off. Yeah. So I'd let wear them, them on Monday. <laughs> yeah, let them <laughs> breathe. Let them breathe. But wash or no wash? No wash. Okay. Yeah. It, you, can, you can't wash the, no, the, no, the hot streak. They got the juice. Yeah. They yeah. Got the good juju. Yeah. Okay, sure. so, so you wore the same underwear for weeks at a time because you scored a lot of goals. I dude. did. There, there so, was one, I think there was one time I went on like an eight-game scoring streak, seven-game scoring streak, and that was two weeks. Those things could. Those things could. Those things could. They, they could walk out of the. They room. could walk out of the. They could walk <laughs> out of the house on their own. Holy! You're shit. probably like, please don't score. Let me watch please, these. Yeah, things. Yeah, dude. Whoever was doing your laundry was like, please God, don't score. Yeah, let, let me get yeah. these crusties in the in the dryer. Fun, fun. All right, number six. All right, number six. Uh, which PGA Tour player needs to have their shirt pulled over them and punched in the face, hockey style, the most? That would be um, Patrick Reed. Okay, yeah. I was supposed to say question. other than Patrick Reed. Okay, other than Patrick Reed, because I feel like he's the is the popular answer. Uh, DeChambeau. Okay, <laughs> dude, he's bulking up though, bro. He's he's trying to add yeah, all this mass. Are you afraid of Bryson no, DeChambeau? De- definitely not. Okay. Definitely not Fair. afraid of DeChambeau. Okay. Um, well. Listen, he's a great player, <laughs> but God help me watching this guy. Like, yeah. Put the ball already. <laughs> Figure it out. I mean, Jesus Christ, how many how many times are you going to practice swing? I, I, listen, I, I love the fact that he's kind of revolutionized. You know, all the clubs are the same. He's you know he's a the electronics, the the stats, all the stuff, computerized shit. But just play faster, please. All right. Like so on record, is that Jeremy a good Roenick, not no, afraid of Bryson. I great. think that's probably one A is Patrick Reed. Two A is probably okay. I see. We're, yeah, we're, I think we're, you're we're, right in. I okay. think you're right in line. Right in the wheelhouse. Okay, yeah, I'm all right, good. Cole. All right, number seven. What's the weirdest topping you've ever heard anyone put on a bagel? Mm. On a bagel. Bagel. Ooh. Mm. Maybe in Philly. Mm. Even Philadelphia. No, I. I Some I, weird topping. I'm well. I'm sure Philly has. They're 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 they're. they're, they're you can say awesome. pass. It's no big deal. You can I, say pass on yeah. this. This is an inside job. Is yeah. it, I don't know. This was some research that didn't go as well as I planned. But we'll just go to the next question. The I, Illuminati. Oh wait, no, I, no, 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 no. I yeah, I know what you're talking about. You don't have to I say know. it. I you know get final cut on this podcast, by yeah. the way. <laughs> Maybe 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 chocolate chip. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, number I'm eight. Dying. I'm dying. All right, keep that as a pass, dude. Keep that as a pass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we. I told you we do our research yes, we do on the show. Yeah, You're gonna thing, get this on yeah. no filter, oh, though, dog. Yeah, You're gonna God. get this on no filter. Yeah, that went right over my head, by the way. Uh, yeah. That was kind of just thrown out there. Let's yeah, see if that, yeah, something yeah. happens. Colt was yeah, like, yo, get, should I ask this? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, see where it goes. Uh, that That's one for my book at, and when I'm 80. Uh, <laughs> all right, number eight. <laughs> okay, number eight, dude. I'm dying right now. All right, most fun athlete or celeb that you've ever partied with? A guy that you – because you party. Yeah. Give me a guy that you're like, oh, he's going to be there? Like, I got to ramp up. Oof. Um, God, I've been with a lot of fun guys. Uh, John Cusack. It's just awesome. A lot of fun. Um. Dan Aykroyd, oh, really? absolutely wow. blast, beast, blast. We we, wow. we 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 partied with Dan Aykroyd in Toronto one time. He he was with the band and we were at his bar and we, and a bunch of us went after a game and we actually got up and played you know played uh, instruments and sang with him up on stage in front of everybody. It was awesome. 
uh, and Jim Belushi, uh, John Belushi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. John you Belushi's brother. John no, John Belushi? no, John Belushi's brother. Jim. Yeah. Jim. Okay. Yeah. He's awesome. He's, he's another great guy that I just had a blast. Could you give me a quick, I've got some friends in Chicago. They said there was a place called Stanley's where you used to go downstairs, close yep. quarters. You and Eddie Vedder used to do karaoke. Best. True. Yep. Very true. And, and one of the best, best sports bars of all time. One of the, Unfortunately, God rest our, our, the soul uh, of the owner. He's one of the greatest guys in the world. But Stanley's was uh, it was a just it was an I- iconic place to go to. There was a, there was a time when Chelios and I would have our golf tournament, and Chelly's great. Chelly's best friends with everybody, but Eddie Vedder and Kid Rock are two of his best friends. So they were there that night, and they got on stage, and they had a competition between each other. So it's only us, the golf tournament at the bar, and all of a sudden. The band is up, and here comes Eddie, and here comes Kid Rock, and they have this competition. They have three songs that they have to sing each. The first song was they had to sing their favorite song of all time. So Eddie sang his favorite song, Kid sang his favorite song. Then the next song they had to sing was their favorite song that they ever wrote themselves. So Kid Rock sang his favorite song, and Eddie sang his favorite song. And then the third one is they had to sing one of the song, their favorite song of each the other. other one wrote. So Kid song. had to write to sing his f- favorite Eddie Vedder song, and Eddie had to sing his favorite Kid Rock song. Three so, so six songs total, and they didn't miss a word That's on awesome. any song. They nailed it. The talent that oozed out of both of these guys. They had everybody in the bar just rocking, jamming, screaming, and they didn't miss a beat. It was one of the best concert performances at uh, of spur of the moment thing i've ever seen in my life i got friends there then like this is a thing of legend like legend. they would go down to the bottom of stanley's no one could get in but nope. uh, the stories that came out were like yep. this was the coolest thing you'd walk time. you'd walk up to eddie vetter he'd had a hat on you would have no idea who he was That's and he right. was just that cool and he was sitting there with a with a beer in his hand mm. he's like what's up dude what's That's going JR. on yeah that is JR, awesome jr life amazing right. last question you've had over 800 stitches in your face. In my face. Just in your face. That's crazy. Yeah. That is insane yeah. to me. So who do you think's had more work done on their face? You or Holly Saunders? <laughs> <laughs> That's close, dude. That's a tight call. That's a tight call. Oh we bring God. tough questions. That's right a real here. tough because yeah. I know Holly. I've known Holly from my NBC days. Um, <laughs> uh, I think if you put I think if you put like total body stitches, she might have me. All right, yeah. perfect. <laughs> Over eight hundred in the in the grill alone. Yeah, I love but, it. But I love Holly's great. She's I, I, awesome. I love Holly. She's always like been so Holly. sweet. She's great to look at. She's great to talk to. She's a great golfer. I I've always enjoyed Holly Saunders. So awesome. Well, I've enjoyed this. This is this been has been a fun incredible. one. Dude. This is a tough one to top. We're gonna yeah. have you back on. By the way, we're gonna do all conspiracy theories. Awesome. I'm like in. We yeah. just touched the tip of the iceberg. I'm going. I'm going back and doing my investigating right now. Dude, my research. Thank you so much. I'm gonna have, hey, touch Thanks, me. I'm gonna talk to the Illuminati uh, and just get to the bottom of this. It's there, thing. man. I'm telling you, they're there. They're, they are there. That was Jeremy Roenick on Golf Subpar. That was the beautiful Jeremy Roenick. Sleaze. He's a crazy some bitch. Beautiful. God. Beautiful is a good word to describe that man. We need more dudes like that. We I feel like we caught Ronick at the perfect time because he's he's out with NBC. He's doing his own thing. He does not mince words, obviously, as you just heard, and he is ready to tell all. Slays, so I really liked what he had to say about the no filter broadcasting. I think that's going to be so entertaining and something that I think a lot of people have been talking about, but they're finally getting to work and putting it putting it out there. Yeah, there's multiple people I've you know talked to that are like this would be great. What if we just had a real broadcast with dudes that just talk like how regular guys talk? And he sounds like he's actually like putting the platform together. I don't know how you do it. Sounds like Jr. Jr. is already 
in the mix of doing it. But if that really goes, that could be, I would much rather listen to two guys in that sport that know what they're talking about and can say whatever they want than like a regular broadcast typically. I know that hurts you because you're a regular broadcast dude. No offense to any I, I golf can, broadcast. I can be bought. I can go both you ways. Can, yeah, you know? you're, you're definitely for sale. Exactly. But he was a blast to talk to, and you really piqued his interest when you brought up the conspiracy theories. Dude, we were, I feel like we were just scratched. I feel like if we would have started the podcast at the very end right there and just said, hey, tell us about your conspiracy theories, we could have gone for another two hours because he like lit up like a Christmas tree at that point. It's like, yeah, dude, JFK Jr., definitely still alive and all this other it was, shit. He's, it was very He's a wild dude, bro. But he was, he was a blast to talk to. But now something that's very fun for me, getting this into this week's ridiculous. picks for the Charles Schwab These are Challenge. resuming. Yeah, we're resuming. We're keeping the standings where they were, just like the FedEx Cup. See, you can't right. reset. Hold on, timeout. This is bullshit that you're resetting because we're not resetting. This is be like going off of the Boston Marathon. I'm like, all right, guys, we're running a marathon, and then one mile into the race, you're like, oh, kidding, it's a 10k, dude. I I strategize based on knowing that it's a marathon, and now all of a sudden it's a sprint. So your guy Sung J M should just start back at zero. Sung J, he's my leading guy. the FedEx. Don't say anything bad exactly. about Sung J. Don't say so anything we bad keep about the standings Kyrdek. where they are. Bullshit. And I have a massive lead. Producer Mark can update us at some point but i know it's huge numbers it's got are like fudged. two commas in it that's a nothing burger dude that's that's it basically nothing million. you just got to win two in a row no basically big deal. nothing all right, all right i ain't afraid of this so Let's go. to refresh everyone's memory we make we make four we pick four players one that's 25 to one or better one that's 50 to between 26 to one and 50 to one mm-hmm. and then two guys outside of 50 to one so they're basically dark horses okay. we add up the money winner at the end of the year Loser caddies for the other guy. No big deal. I'll win. You only got two million bucks to make up. Yeah, I just have 12 events less than I should have. All right. No big deal. Well, there's only five guys that are 25 to 1 or better this week. And I know exactly where you're going, which is bullshit, because you gave me shit for uh, always picking this guy previously, and now you've played a couple rounds with him recently, and now you're going to be all in on him, so I'll let you go first. God, I know you're, like, you're picking. You're the jealous high school boyfriend yeah, right dude. now. It's ridiculous. You, you stole my like, girlfriend. Grow up a little bit, but I am. I played a lot of golf with him recently. <laughs> yeah. He his game looks absolutely great. I think he's gonna have a great week there. He's got two top fives at Colonial. John Rahm at twelve to one is my pick. Yeah, way to go out on a limb there and steal. Oh, my well, guy. there's five guys. Steal my, you stole my prom date. I already got committed, and then you swooped in and stole him. All right, I'm gonna let you have John Rahm because at this point, a there's only five guys in this in this uh, odds category that we can pick, and b a tie for me at this point is a loss. I gotta gain ground, so I'll just go ahead and take world number one Roy McIlroy. He's going off at fifteen to two this yeah, week. I'm okay. Look. I'm okay with taking Roy. Big stretch there. I would have taken Rom, but I knew you were gonna take him, so I switched. All right. Pick number two, 26 to 1 to 50 to 1. Who you got? I got my guy. I'm going to stick with my guns right here. This is a surprising line to me. 33 to 1. My guy. He's rusty, dude. He's bad. 91 days off. Uh, I'll tell you what. There's not a person I would bet you in the golf world who has took less time off than this man. He doesn't even have a home in the United States. He lives in hotels. He just travels tournament to tournament. Sung JM, 33 to 1. I'm going with him. Love him. Love him all the time. All right. Love him a long time. I'm going to go with a guy. He's going through some swing changes, but I think this break was perfect for him. See, you thought I was copying all your picks. I'm not. This was perfect for him. He loves this golf course. 33-1, to 1, Ricky Fowler. Ooh, interesting. Looked very good at uh, Seminole. Yeah, I like that. Looked by his far caddy, Joe Scovran, tells me, you know, he's he's a guy that doesn't need to work off any rust. He can just show up and play after a break. So, hey, I trust his. I believe that. Yeah. He's one of those guys that doesn't All right, now this is balls. where we get to where you can separate yourself a little bit. This is where I separate. All right. Guy, home course. Has played well there recently, yeah. last few years. Keep going. Uh, his caddy is a club champion. You didn't know that. I knew that. Uh, Ryan Palmer, 
Okay. Even though he's an Aggie, I'm going Ryan Palmer at 70 to 1. So if you'll see this piece of paper right here has my picks on it. Colt saw that and immediately stole it because <laughs> yeah. he knows that a tie is a win for him at this point. I had Ryan Palmer. Colt then hijacked Ryan Palmer. I also I told him Ryan who Ryan Palmer, Palmer was last week. Which is week. trash because I had him. Sneaky pick. You stole it. All right, so we both have Ryan Palmer. Well, I'll go with my second pick just to prevent you from stealing him. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go with this. It. You played a few rounds of golf with uh, John Rahm this past week. You loved the way it looked. I played a couple rounds of golf with this man right here, recent guest of the pod. Mr. Max Homa just played with him recently. He looked better than I've ever seen him look before. Tita Green looked, I mean, it'd be hard. You'd be hard pressed to find a guy that looks better right now than him. He's going off at 70 to one. So Mr. Max Homa, and it might be a good thing, Colt, that we didn't have match three this past week, which we were supposed to have with uh, golf subpar versus grip it and rip it or whatever their podcast is called. <laughs> grip it and rip it. Uh, Cause he played pretty good shot 64. Last time I played with him looks awesome. Max Homa 70 to one. All right, good pick. I, I'm I'm okay with it. There's he, a there's a lot of room to run in this category. There is, and I'm trying to narrow it down between two. I'm gonna go with a guy who I heard is in pretty good form right now down at Sea Island. They played a little match. He played r- rather well. Won the team competition. JT Poston at 150 Ooh, to one. Pick. I respect yeah. that pick. If he plays well this week, I won't. I'm gonna tell I'll, you a dark horse. I'm oh. not gonna pick. He's a frog, and I think he could do some damage mm. that doesn't get talked about. Tom Hoagie. Tom Hoagie yep. has played well. I'm not before, picking him. Knows the place very well. Shout out to the TCU right. Horn. So Frogs. to recap, I have John Rom, Ricky Fowler, Ryan Palmer, JT Poston. Okay, we only have one overlap. I got Rory, world number one. I got Sung J M, thirty-three to one. Ryan Palmer overlap. Max Homa, seventy to one. Let All the right. games begin. That is it. And next week, let's give him a little tease. Hold on. I think you got. Uh, so- I got something. Hold on. Well. This is in honor of our guest next week. You have it on upside down, but no big deal. Don't worry we'll just, about it. We'll just go with it. <laughs> Keep going. The one, the only, Jim McMahon will be in the building. There's a chance we'll have a headband on. There's a 100% chance we'll have sunglasses on, and he's going to look fantastic, and I can't wait to talk to him. Another fun one. Not a golfer, but a guy that's got better stories than arguably anyone out there. Really, really going to be a fun interview. It is. It's going to be a blast. But hope you all enjoyed it. We'll see you on next week's Golf Subpar. Bye.